Hello and welcome to How Much for a Sleeve, the worst tattoo podcast out there. How are you, Lucy? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, not so bad. Uh, just pulling some uh, cat hair out of my lips because I was using uh, Moon as a crude moustache before we started this. And I enjoyed it. I think it was a vast improvement on your actual facial hair. Nasty. Um, we're just going to have a sombre start and just say we're going to dedicate this episode to Shanghai Kate, Kate Helenbrand. Um, who sadly passed away last week. We're so sad that, um, I, I know the tattoo community is so sad to have lost such an amazing, influential woman. And I think we'll forever be grateful that we had the opportunity to speak to her and hear her stories and preserve absolutely. them. Um, I'm very just, lucky. Very absolutely. Lucky. I can't, I have to pinch myself to think, to yeah. think that we had that. So yeah. Um, yeah, just um, we dedicate this one to her. Thanks, Kate. Thank you. Um, and on to something slightly happier. Um, our Willie calendars. I'm sorry, Kate. <laughs> I'm sorry to move on to Willie's, but we've met, and you know what I'm about. Um, <laughs> Willie calendars are still on a pre-sale. Um, pre-sale is going to continue for another till the end of November, and then we're going to. Um, get them all printed and posted out but we're still going to have them for sale so you haven't missed out we don't want to limit anyone stop anyone from buying one so but if you've ordered one they're going to be coming out soon and um, thank you so much it's just yeah, yeah it's been so heartwarming thank you so much it's so lush to do something awesome for terry and um, especially one that's close to our hearts um <laughs> close to our balls you mean <laughs> uh, sorry did i lol um oh did you see have you been watching this tangent have you been watching i'm a celeb no um and mcpartlin went uh lol by doing an did l he? and his mouth and an l yeah good <laughs> was it was he lolling at matt hancock not washing his hands despite being health secretary i saw that matt bit. hancock did he, touch, did, he touch, did he touch a shit or something Oh, yeah, it touched a bird poo. A bird poo, that was it, you're right. Yeah, and then didn't wash his hands. What a fucking egg. <laughs> yeah. I did wash my hands. Mm. Um, yeah, my child's just asked me how long. Uh, five minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sus. <laughs> okay. Parenting. If it's not a child, it's a cat. Although this cat's been um, curled up next to me. It's cold now, and he wants to be my friend. Your cat is very small. <laughs> I had to put on a baby sensory video during this episode to try and stop the cat from being such a nightmare. <laughs> it lasted for five minutes. Yeah, I've yeah, the, the, these love a bit of. Uh, do you ever put the birds on the telly, like the squeaking birds feeding, and they just stare at the telly? Neither oh. the old cat Ambrose used to smack the telly, like you should go on his back legs, like a like a shit T Rex smacking the telly. But these two oh. just gaze at it; they love it. I used to put that mouse one on the iPad. Yes. Where they just, little squeaking yeah, mouse, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he'd be entertained for about five minutes. Um, so sorry, before child interruption, buy the calendar, buy the calendar, um, help protect men's willies, and um, and then you get some nice willy artwork as well. So, yep, please do that. Um, thank you if you have what next? Next week, we are gonna do something extra special, festive, very festive. I've even got some balls to jingle. Hey. 
Um, we're having a Christmas party, aren't we? I say that loosely. Yeah, we we don't we don't even know what the what it's going to be. I imagine no. it'll be very similar to what we always do, but just we'll have a fucking Christmas hat on or something. Yeah, and the premise of it is that we're going to be drinking. Um, yeah. We've got a couple of guests, Miss Joe Black and um, uh, Little Nick, who I've also renamed Small Neil. Um, <laughs> and we're going to be doing drinking games. So if you have any topics that you want us to speak about, please send us a message yeah. and then we can talk about them, but drunkenly. If you want to find out why Nick is so vertically challenged um, or how Joe got to be mother of goths, then send your questions in or how Mick got so bored. Yeah, um, please do. Yeah, please do. Or why I'm so great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we So this episode we've got, um, have I given you opportunity to speak in this intro? No, no but it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's always about you. So it's it is. Fine. I'm glad that you finally <laughs> understand. <laughs> I said, someone said, why, why do you want to do this? Because we're both attention seekers. Next. <laughs> I saw something earlier in the week where it was like, I wish a podcast would come out where it's not two best friends, it's two sworn enemies, but it'd be much more entertaining. Yeah, loads better. <laughs> um, this episode was speaking to Nick Howard, who is co-owner of Origin. Um, and I said, after we finished recording, I can't believe he didn't choose, sorry, spoiler alert, he didn't choose me to be on a desert island with him. And <laughs> I said, after we finished recording, uh, yeah, thanks for that. And he's just texted me and said, um, if I did choose you, I'd have to bring some head, some earplugs. <laughs> valid. Why do you think I wear these valid. things all day? Um, <laughs> slight... Um, point of order is that we uh, we had some slight uh, internet woes during the second half of this recording i haven't edited it, did it yet i'm sure it will be fine but if it is a little bit wonky at the end it's uh, no one's fault don't be mad this is what happens when nick watches porn while recording a podcast so yeah. um next time i did nick... enjoy watching him masturbate though so that was <laughs> um it was swings and roundabouts Yeah, you were laughing too much there. It wasn't even that funny. Um, have you got anything else? Um, oh, I don't want to think about Nick masturbating. Um, this has got weird because it's actually my boss. Um, can we take that out? <laughs> nope. Nope. Because I like watching you feel weird for once. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Grow up. It's a healthy thing to do. So... Um, I don't think there's anything. I don't so, want to end on that. Let's talk about something else. Um, you're going on a holiday. That's nice. Um, you've got facial hair. Thanks. We're... Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> uh, so we're going to have a Christmas party. So send us your <laughs> send us your conversation topics uh, by the calendar. This is episode 54 of How Much for a Sleeve with Nicholas Held. Uh, rest in peace, Kate. Shanghai Kate, we love you and thank you for everything you've done. You're a hero. Uh, yeah, this is the episode. Thanks. Hey, this is Bob Tyrell and you're listening to How Much for a Sleeve. This week we've got, I guess, my new half boss here, Hello. Nick Howard. Hello. Hey, y'all. How are you? Good. It's been so long since I've seen you. Yeah, I know. I seen you three hours ago. Yeah. 
you know it took me nearly all that time to get home because the train's been fucked today well that is why I'm still at work I didn't want to miss this beautiful opportunity to speak to you again so oh. I said I know I've already made this joke before when we were just chatting before but I, I think for our listeners it, it would be only fair for me to point out that I didn't realise that Lucy had been working at Origin today. Otherwise, we wouldn't have arranged this on the day because <laughs> it's just too much Lucy for anyone to be exposed to. <laughs> uh, she's, I imagine she's already been an asshole all day. And then I'll just stay late and have her be an asshole to me again for an hour and a half. No, I think it's the opposite way around. So thanks, Lucy, for putting up with me for a little bit longer. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we haven't really had, even though you were just tattooing net like within a meter away, we didn't really have that much interaction because there's been football dramas today, hasn't there? It has. had a sad nick. It was a little bit sad, but it is only football. That's what you, as a Denmark um, Danish person, you learn to kind of just say, it's just football. There's another game, there's another World Cup. You know, we we're used to not winning the game. So, but you I'm, have you have I'm won an international that. tournament way more recently than England. So, I know, and that was in 1992. If anyone forgot, 1992. Yeah. When yeah. did England win? 66. Correct. Look at you. Oh Check you god. out. Look at you. Lucy. Oh god, you should be on question of sports. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can I, can I come on the other your other podcast where you talk about sports? Oh my god, I've actually yeah. impressed myself. Yeah, that was good. That was good. It was good. I've not even been prompted either. Nobody even told me. I just knew it. And was that on? Was that in England as well? It was. Oh my god! I'm I'm on. I didn't even know that. God, keep up, Nick. I know. (laughs) What are you drinking there? Is is that Iron Brew in a glass? It looks like Iron Brew. No, I've got a, I've got a rhubarb gin, but then I've got some rhubarb and raspberry raspberry tonic, <laughs> which is it's actually neon pink. I'm not yeah. really too happy about the color. It looks the like vibes, an Aperol It does look like an Aperol yeah. especially yeah. in the oversized conveyance it's in. Uh, it's really rank as well. It's not very nice, but I've already committed to it now. I think gin is one of those things that. I don't know why it's a fa- I don't know why it's such everyone vibes off it. And I've never had a nice one. Yeah, I drink it. I just don't like it actually. Yeah, weird, isn't it? I, lo- I think loads of people are like that. I think yeah. this is the same. I think Red there's loads of people. Yeah. No, just beer in general. Oh. Yeah, I mean lagers are right because it literally tastes of nothing, and it I does the, and it does the job. I don't know, like tequila, I can't drink, but I can't understand why that was even bottled in the first yeah. place. With the first exactly. board and said. You were drinking tequila. You were drinking tequila last week, though, weren't you? Yeah, but no, but that wasn't our choice. People <laughs> buy it for you. You and were then buying you have them. To yeah. who, who was the first person who went? We've 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 gone through this entire process of creating this liquid from various plants and um, imbalances and acids and things. What would a we'll have a sip of it? We'll go fuck. That's horrible. Yeah, and have another one. Then be yeah. sick and be really ill the next day and go, right, that'll do for next week as well. And then someone goes, do you know what would make it even better? If we lick salt first and yeah. then have a lime. Yeah, and then maybe put a, like a dead creature in it as well in the bottle. Yeah. Just to ferment yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Same and with we'll smoking, have 10 of them. Smoking tabs as well. Who who rolled dried tobacco leaves up in another leaf? Yeah. Set it on fire, inhaled it, coughed their guts up and then went, I'll do that again tomorrow morning. I know. Do you know, I have not, I have smoked for 20 years and I haven't had a cigarette for over two weeks now. 
Well done. Yeah. Go That's me. why you were so grumpy today. Yeah, probably. That's Gr- why she punched oh, four of her that. customers. I've been grumpy for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Look and at I me. Try not Celebrate me. That. Bang. <laughs> no, well done, Lucy. That was ama- That is amazing. It's not. That is good. It is amazing. Are you, are you and now that a... I smell it, I like smell it off Jack, smelly manager of Origin Jack, and it fucking stinks. And I think, oh, I used to inhale that. Are you on a, are you on a vaping wand still? Yeah, I've got two next to me. <laughs> I've got a grape and I've got a pineapple. Oh, fruit salads. Nice. It is, yeah. I wonder what they're like together. Not nice. Better <laughs> than the gin, though. <laughs> Perhaps you, yeah, just, that's all right, Ashley. I'd recommend go for two now. This is what a two. I've quit smoking. I smoke two vapes at once. <laughs> I look a little like a duck. You do. Uh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. You were saying you enjoy you enjoy gin. Yeah, I love gin. I yeah. found yeah. out, however, a lot of gins have coriander in it, so I like it less now. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm not a coriander fan. I just want to put that out there. You're not a cori fander. No, no, I'm not. Definitely not. <laughs> right, um, should, should we talk you, about tattoos? Really, yeah, let's <laughs> No. <laughs> That's no. just, yeah, eight minutes in. Right. Uh, um, on, go on, you can do this Just on the bit. quick subject of tasting yeah. <laughs> things. I've got... <laughs> got to say, Nick has introduced me to some of my favourite foods, actually, in the whole world now. Because Nick introduced us to me to that egg celery curry from oh, the yeah. rest, um, from the restaurant around the corner from Origin, that and Borough Burger Box, and that pizza we had last week that was like a cake with pizza topping. I actually and these had that today. Did you? Yeah, I have the pizza here right next to me. Oh, yeah. What kind? Which one did you get? Where it's is it from? Pepperoni pizza from um, Detroit Pizza. Oh my god! Yeah, very good, but it's so filling. Yeah, you kind of want to sleep immediately after you <laughs> or lie down flat on the floor. <laughs> One of those small pizzas must weigh the same as you. Probably a lot of stuff do weigh a lot more than me because I weigh <laughs> almost nothing. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah, yeah, I'm only small. A little elf, a little Scandinavian ABBA-loving elf. That is it. Our favourite elf. I. Oh, thanks, Lucy. That's not. (laughs) (laughs) I like to be an elf, and it's even better to be your favourite one. You know. (laughs) I don't know any others. Uh, to no. be honest <laughs> again it's always it's always like you're like a shit shit sandwich aren't you it's like i'll be an arsehole then do a little compliment <laughs> and you do a little arsehole bit afterwards to... <laughs> arsehole bread too a... nice no there's something that goes boring. wrong in your head and you're like oh i'll go be a cut for a minute oh, I'll be a... oh they might think i'm nice <laughs> like you like you malfunction if you're nice too often and just i don't know <laughs> do a slur at someone it's how I approach all my life. I like do a bit of voluntary work, then I'm a cunt, then I do something else. <laughs> then I'm a cunt. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've earned some serious brownie points this week because I just signed up to do a mental health first aid course. So now I reckon I can Ooh. be a right cunt for the next two right, two months, I'd say. And then I'll do it. So I'll be a cunt and then I'll know how to look after people when they're upset about it. <laughs> when you've upset them, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's like donating money at Red Nose Day and continue with our normal way of life. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Very, very good. That's it. <laughs> um, Tattooing. Yes. Yeah. How, I don't even know this. How long have you been tattooing? I started in my little one bedroom flat in Denmark on mate's bum cheeks, maybe 12 <laughs> years ago now. So <laughs> that was my first tattoo. I wouldn't say I've been tattooing since then. I was, um, you know, my dream of tattooing started in in that little tiny living room on a massage bed with a lot of good ex-mates. Bum cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah 12 years since I kind of first had the idea in my head that I wanted to do it I uh, moved to London just over 10 years ago and I I suppose my tattoo journey started then did you get an apprenticeship or something when you got here yeah I mean if Matt, my business partner, listens to this, he's heard this story so many times that he, he won't listen. sometimes <laughs> thinks that that is how he started tattooing. But I did. A- <laughs> Were you a barber? <laughs> no, I did a um, I did a tattoo apprenticeship on a beach in the Philippines. That was how I would, uh, or that was how it was sold to me. I mostly drank beer under a palm tree while I was drawing a little bit. And learning from a local tattoo out there called Rick Hable, who has a shop called Arrow Tattoo. Um, lovely guy and actually a really good tattoo out there. So um, I met him on a beach and he was like, um, I like your drawings. I was drinking a beer drawing on the beach. Um, and he was like, why don't you stay in the Philippines instead of going back to Denmark? And I will teach you a little bit about tattooing. So that's how. Wow apprenticeship came about i was with him in his shop for seven months i think is this a true story this is a true story yeah you tell a lot of fibs <laughs> no no this is a true story um contact rick cable if you don't believe it but yeah <laughs> that's how i met my wife out there and that's why i moved from the philippines to london because she lives in london so i followed my oh. then fling to london and <laughs> my wife did you have a, did you have a job to go back to denmark too that you just fucked off um do you know what i um i did have a job but it was doing removals and i didn't like it it was yeah. really cold in denmark and i didn't really fancy going back to that so i lived with my best mate back home and he was still in denmark so i just said can i move out the flat and he was like fine so I stayed out there and um, lived life um, in a little single room in a hostel or I slept in the tattoo shop on the tattoo bed there. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of did some airbrushing for local restaurants and stuff to get by, to get free food and free booze. And, and that's how it kind of all started. That's where I, you know, knew that this is definitely the the something i want to pursue really seriously that's a little bit of like a i don't know living the dream moment in it oh yeah God. it was yeah, yeah. it's like the so most then... exotic how you got how someone got into tattooing story ever yeah i think though 
I did get a wake up call. So when I got to London, I kind of was here with no money and no one had a beach bar I could airbrush <laughs> and make a bit of money. So I had to get a job in River <laughs> Island as a Christmas tempt because they knew I was a Christmas elf as well. So <laughs> they wanted my services. Um, but then, yeah, um, I did that for a couple of months and then I got a job um, or a new apprenticeship. I kind of had to. Things run very differently in tattoo shops in South South Southeast Asia in comparison to what we kind of are used to in the Western part of the world, I suppose. In many ways, in terms of hygiene and all of these things, I thought my way back into tattooing, being, you know, new in London and having just moved over here was to probably just start from scratch and get an, uh, an apprenticeship again. So I, I did so. Sorry, my cat's just fucking stuff up. I just need to go and run and punch him. That's <laughs> fine. I have to put another episode of that dancing fruits on. I know he's fucked it off. He liked it for a minute, but he's obviously had enough. I think he has stopped. I've got emergency dreamies next to me. Let me get. It's going to be chaos now. We're going to see an anus come. Oh, he's coming. The thing, he was well chill. He was sat next to me earlier, all curled up because I was warm. And then I thought, oh, I better just go for a quick wee before we start. And that's what fucked it. This is um, Nick. This is Elvis. Elvis hey, Elvis. Lucy was trying to get him to show his face to the camera, but he was only interested in the dreamy. Yeah. Which is Which is fair enough. There you go. Oh, half a pack. <laughs> I'll cut this out. Yeah, sorry. Um, so how did you meet Matt? Um, so after a good few years of tattooing, I um I wanted to get some new challenges and get, um, and kind of progress in my career. So I applied for a job at the family business. Um, and Matt had just started working there when I got a job there. So Matt and I met at the family business and we had stations kind of next to each other, like the same kind of music, had lots of fun together. So, yeah, that's how we met. And we worked together there for a, for a good few years. And romance blossomed. It did. It was <laughs> romance. So when, who came up with the idea of opening a shop together? I think we actually both wanted to do something. So Matt and I was kind of, you know, I, I feel like family business was such an amazing shop to be in. At the time we were there, there was just lots of really good artists, you know, and from from whom I think everyone that was there learned a lot from each other. Maybe, you know, with Matt and I, doing slightly different stuff to to what people were doing there already because it's more so a, a traditional tattoo shop, shop I suppose yeah. um but um sorry I kind of lost it there oh yeah so, so I think we um we both kind of found our own little niche in there so we we did things maybe slightly different to other people our music was very different to other people and we were joking a lot between each other, but also with our customers. And I feel like both of us created a good little vibe in the area of the shop where we were. 
Um, and we kind of just both said, oh, I want to go and open my own shop one day. And he said, I want to go and open my own shop one day. And then we were like, but we have a lot of fun together. Our customers have a lot of fun. And, you know, why don't we do it together? So oh. that was when the idea was born. From that moment, it was quite a long journey before we actually did open our own shop. How long did it take after that? No, it took maybe a year, year and a half, something like that. I think we both just wanted to find the right place and kind of the right location at the right, you know, price and all of this. And it's not as close to a pub as possible. Yeah. That was one of the immediately adjacent. Yeah. (laughs) That would deliver to the door. Yeah. And a coffee shop next door as well. Yeah, exactly. No. I think it was more so location in terms of it being easy, ex- easily accessible for other artists that wanted to come and work with us, but also for customers that they, you know, could get to us quite easily. So, and, you know, when you have guest artists and stuff, it's nice that it's, you know, a central location so they can, you know, have half this day can be tattooing and working and then you also have time to walk around and enjoy London as a city, I suppose. So, yeah, that was the reasoning for us, kind of picking the location that we ended up in and also just what we could afford at the time. Yeah, just a, a quick question on, when, when, so when it was, did you both go from the family business straight to Origin? That was yeah. what happened. Yeah. So when you were, you know, this is interesting from a customer's point of view. When you were thinking of leaving, was it like was it all hush hush, or did were you allowed to talk about it with the people who um, who run the shop? Or what's the what's so how do you, you broach that? I think like it's 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 a hard one because you have, or I can speak for myself anyway, and I think I can speak for Matt as well. But you know, family business was a really well established shop. Um, and Mo has worked really hard at, you know, making the family business what the family business was at the time and what it still is. Um, so we obviously had a lot of respect for for the shop as a as a brand, as, as a name and that, all of these things. Um, so when you kind of decide that you want to do your own thing, you, you kind of feel like you're breaking up with someone who yeah. you have a lot of respect for, but also who has helped you along in your own career and potentially you know helped you to be in a situation from where you can branch out and do your own thing so Matt and I actually was like all right um we both know we're gonna go and do this um we want to find a place so let's keep it between ourselves as until we kind of know that it's gonna happen and then we were like, all right, now it's happening. Let's go and tell Mo um, that we are leaving. And we actually bottled that chat. Um, there's a guy there called Dale who's doing laser removal, who's, you know, been a big part of our career there, but also been a big part of the family business as it was running at the time. So we were like, let's take Dale for a drink and, and kind of see what he thinks. And each time we were kind of like, ah, let's let's do it tomorrow. And we just ended up <laughs> 
and be with him rather than actually telling them <laughs> that we were leaving. He and thought you that, were just being really friendly. He was waiting for you to ask for a threesome or something. <laughs> no, and Matt kept like calling me saying, we're such losers, we can't even quit <laughs> our jobs, are we ever going to run a business? So, um, it took a few attempts, but then we 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 told Mo, the owner of um, Family Business, that they, we were going to do our own thing and, and so forth. And then we were just quite honest about it and said, you know, we'll give you the, the time that you need from us in terms of, you know, filling our positions, but also to see um, our bookings out and, you know, honor any deposits that was with the shop and, and with us. Um, and you know what? I think Mo was really nice about it. And from that point, we could talk quite openly about it. I think as long as you kind of give people the respect that they deserve in terms of what they've done for you and your career, um, and you kind of see that through and you see that, you know, see your customers out and do it in a respectful way, I, I don't think you can ever, you know, be be annoyed or angry at someone for wanting to go and do their own thing. It's a natural progression for for anyone that, you know, have dreams of one day having their own shop. And that kind mm. of is the same at our shop now. You know, people come to us and work with us for for a certain time. And then it might be that the time for them is to go and open their own shop. And all you can do is wish them the best of luck with that. So so we were able to speak really openly about it and it was a nice kind of way because because you know it, we were still there for six months after we told him so it would wow. have been horrible if you know if we had to kind of sit in a corner and no one would talk to you and so forth but but it was good has having origin been more like has it been different to what you expected? Has it been more like managing people than you thought it would have to be and stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. I think before you, when when the shop is just a dream and just an idea of everything you want to do differently and do better and all of, of, of this, you have this, I don't know, like it's, it's a dream, isn't it? And you, you just think that you're going to get a couple of your mates in there and everything is going to, just be all fun and games and you know <laughs> everyone comes and they have fun and they go again and and for the most times that is you know achievable but sometimes it's it's hard as well because you know you for both Matt and I we'd never really run a business where you have a lot of people working with you in that shop and yeah it comes with responsibilities mm -hmm. and a with you know a lot of complications that you might not you you would have never maybe imagined was going to come so it is a learning curve and and it's a tough one sometimes and other times it, it is all fun and games and everyone is having a laugh so it's a it's a bit of both I love it I from like the first time I came and guested which is not long after you opened I think because I'm like Matt put a post up saying does anyone want to come a guest and I'd followed Matt for ages and I was like oh please can I come and then I just absolutely loved it from the moment I came and I was like I want to go back there all the time because it just has such it's just such a fun vibe like 
everyone is lush. I know I, I'm not there all the time, so I don't see like Jack being really moody or Matt having a strop and throwing stuff now. Or like that time Ola punched um, Pop in the face, but um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love it. I love it so uh, much. Uh, uh, we love having you as well, and I, it just it makes me really happy to hear you say that because I think it's very easy to kind of. When, when it's your own place to just think that you've done this amazing thing with it, but actually you might have not done oh. all the most amazing jobs. So that is very nice to hear. Um, <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Elf cunt. <laughs> I also think, there we go, she, she, she was nice and now she's... Yeah. <laughs> I'm nice Elf and then it had to... <laughs> yeah. You can just be nice. <laughs> um, I'll take I, that though. I also think that uh, from someone who's who doesn't own or has never owned their own business, I imagine there's, even though it's with your mate, there's still stuff that, and you might get on and, you know, like you said, you listen to the same music, you're into the same sort of stuff. You, if you work with someone for that long and with the responsibilities that you have, there must be things that you don't see eye to eye on that you have to, you know, you like have to have an awkward. Have an, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about more like the, the responsibility you've both got for other people's livelihoods, and you might not see eye to eye on something. And it, you know, this decision over here that you're very strong on, and Matt's slightly against it, or whatever, it must be quite stressful on a friendship because it was a friendship first, then into business. Yeah, it must be that. Must be a a, a difficult balance. A for people, yeah. Sorry, I think a lot of people. You know, anyone that you ask for advice on running a business or opening a business, they always say, don't do it with a friend. It's going to cause all these, like, frictions and and that. And, and you know, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I like things one way and Matt likes them another way. But I actually think for, for what we've gone through with, with as a shop, like, good and bad, I think Matt, Matt is a very easy person. He's a, and that is from just like as a French friend and a friendship with Matt. It's it's quite easy to have. He's a fun guy, and he's he's he just likes to have a laugh and you know he doesn't no, take no dramas. To, no, exactly. And the I only think, dramas is when Lucy comes and smashes his um aftershave on it by hiding yeah, his bag or something. Like likes to smell good. And he's found that smell it came to him, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think and that has transpired into our big relationship, I think. There is obviously sometimes Matt I think will think Nick is an absolute nightmare and there is times where I will think that about Matt but it's never been to a point I think where you know we've had to sit down and have like a deep and meaningful right. conversation about how this partnership is going forward I think you know we we both quite easygoing people and we we've seemed to figure it out one way or another with a lot of help from our the strong women in our lives I believe they, they sort out all the hard stuff and Matt and I can, you know, sort out all the easier stuff. <laughs> no, but it's, um, it, you know, it, it's always a worry when you go into business and you already have a friendship. You, you have that fear that maybe it's, it can go wrong or it, in most cases it do go, it does go wrong. But 
so far, touch wood, you know, Matt has not run and run away, and I've not <laughs> run away. So, and and we still have a laugh, and you know, get on really well. So I, and I appreciate that yeah. about him and being in a in a business partnership with him is that he's a very easy partner to have, um, which I think is a big reason for us, you know, getting on so well in our business relations. Good. I like Matt. He's easy to bully and I enjoy that. Long live yeah. origin. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. I was thinking today, can we go on a shop holiday? I think that'd be nice. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, we I should just get that. a big villa. And I've, and I've wanted to do it for years. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do it. Oh. You could okay. recreate our actual only question. Sorry. Oh just, my god! Do you know we didn't ask um Keir that last one, did we? we? Did yeah, we did. Oh, I've just forgotten. Yeah, he just, only... he just picked the three people he sits next to every day and couldn't be asked. Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> so we have one question that we yeah. ask everyone: is which three tattooers would you want to be on a desert island, stranded on a desert island with? In what way? Just like to stranded. party with or to work with or no, to... stranded, stranded on a desert. Yeah, PR survival mode. Yeah, Pure survival. Yeah. But also, like you might just people, you might just want to hang out with and be happy to live. In yeah, or, or if you know someone who's good at um, building stuff. Yeah. Um, or somebody I, that looks tasty. I would have to to pick Matt, um, because he is a lot of fun. Like even on a desert island, he'd find some way to like joke you or like, you know, yeah, he would make it fun out there. Um. In terms of like maybe getting fed and being able, like I don't know, three. Ah, it's a hard one. I would pr- potentially. I'm. I'm obviously doing like black and grey realism. So I would pick my my all time kind of person that I looked up to was um, a guy called Matteo Pasqualini, which um, he did my sleeve as well. But I would probably pick him just so I could like ask him lots of silly questions and once I came back again I'd be way better tattooer and <laughs> yeah that's good I would maybe also pick Freddie who I also work with um but Freddie has I think he's just such an amazing tattooer he's full of knowledge and he's also just a really fun guy um, so we want it's all about vibes you've already yeah. said like when you, you when you were at the family business and you had you had your uh your little corner of the room that was different to the rest of the place and it was it had a good feeling over there that's yeah. that's i've said it before on this um you can't put a price on good vibes no i don't think you can actually yeah. um i think like and also i think our industry has you know it's it's slightly different than maybe it was like let's say 20 years ago or whatever you have the, the the people that come in for a tattoo now are coming from very different you know um aspects of life like financially like educational backgrounds whatever it could be so from from all levels of society i suppose and the expectation i believe have have changed a little bit depending on what kind of customer group you kind of come from so i think like if you take like a, a traditional tattoo they do things in a, in a specific way and it 
works in a specific way. And I think to some extent, the customers expect a certain kind of service that are more so like we used to know it in, in our industry. But with a lot of other new customers coming on to the tattoo scene, I think like the experience and what people want it in terms of just like a fun day at the office or even like to some extent using your tattoo experience to just relax or like get something off your chest. I think there is a lot of different elements to having a tattoo. It's not it, the most important is the, the finished product coming out of there. But I think there is also a lot of importance in the, the whole experience and, you know, how you make people feel while they're there and, them to have a good day there and you know all of this it's it's a very saturated market and i think like just creating an atmosphere where everyone can feel comfortable and have fun is what sets you apart maybe sometimes from other places everyone like origin always has such a chilled it's just so everyone that comes in is greeted in a lovely way and everyone that gets tattooed by you always has a great time because you're normally just sitting in the corner singing ABBA and <laughs> everyone loves it <laughs> but, but right. that is that is one that is one not like kissing your ass I'll, I'll be horrible again in a set but that is one thing about origin is that like people are generally generally people are just treated so well it is different to like an old school sort of traditional shop where you might just be like grunted at, you know, or like sign Yeah, I'm not <laughs> saying wrong way. Like I think a lot of shops operate in very different ways. And I think it's actually very important that you have a little bit of that. You know, we come from an industry where, you know, if you say like collectors and stuff like that, I think it's important you kind of have that connection still to your roots and to, you know, people that are just, you know, like Freddie, for example, he's just like such a an inspiration to a lot of people in our industry. Like a lot of people, I'm lucky to have worked with him for as many years as I have. And when I first started working at Family Business, I don't think he even spoke to me for the first year. He would just like look at me and then look away. <laughs> You know, he's someone that he, he will just not like come up to you and say, oh, what a nice tattoo because you're fully booked or because you have a lot of followers or whatever. You know, you have to earn your stripes with him. Mm -hmm. And and I like to have that element of tattooing in our shop because I think that is really important. And that's what has created really the whole industry that we are working in today is the hardship of those guys that you know sat down hour after hour and you know perfected one thing and perfected another thing now the market has grown exponentially and a lot of people can you know benefit from that financially and have made great careers out of it but at the end of the day those those you know with with the traditional roots and people that actually you know are just only living for for the art of this they are you know the main reason we we have a, an industry to begin with have you always done your 
like beautiful black and gray or did you ever dabble in traditional color um i used to do fine art i used to do a lot of pencil drawings from a very young age i used to um do a lot of uh, drawings for like restaurants and di different kind of commercial ways of of making a bit of money out of my drawings i always believed that like the, the realistic aspect was the way I wanted to kind of go down. When I first started out and I was an apprentice, I've done all sorts of different stuff, but I've never, my apprent apprenticeship never allowed me to actually learn all of these things. I didn't have the people around me when I was an apprentice that actually A, I think knew about this uh, or knew about all all of you know our traditions and and all of that that's something I've learned about later on in my career because that's when I started being surrounded by you know people that really matter and people that could really teach me stuff um my apprenticeship was just tracing black and gray stuff for a black and gray artist that you know just used my stencils to make some money <laughs> um so it was only like I, I got into a shop in Soho called Tattoo 13 um and an, the owner there is called Sharon she's a lovely lovely lady and she she's very talented and she she would always like share a little about little about her but also be very interested in what I was doing and you know it's then met her then I got into the family business and you start being surrounded by all these amazing artists there and that's like an eye-opener sometimes when you come from a little shop in a suburb where there is just one person doing black and gray and and you, you there's not much to learn about you know the history and the background of our industry from someone who potentially doesn't know know that themselves that's a very good point, actually. I think a lot of people would have that as a, you know, if, if you don't come from a city and your only way into it is the shop in the village or the shop in the town. Yeah. yeah. And you might be, you know, really good at something, but that shop doesn't really interest. It doesn't have a customer base for it. Mm. So you end up getting sort of shoehorned into something and, you might not be so good at. And not everyone is respectful of the history of tattooing either. Some people just do consider tattoo in a way a means to make money and they're yeah. not interested in the origins of it and like historic tattooers and and yeah some people just aren't interested but some people really are <laughs> yeah I think there's a balance I think you need to kind of you know the, the more you know about that the more look at someone like Poppy who's our used to be our apprentices she's now a junior artist or a new artist in our shop but she has such a talent like she knows everyone she studies everything like her knowledge is like greater than a lot of people that are in our industry now and she's been lucky to have you know some really good people around her that could open doors to like you know getting to know a lot of other big names in our industry and I think for her, she's come with the right approach. She's she's wanted to learn. And when you want to learn and you show the interest, then people 
you know, I'm more than happy to share and, you know, introduce you to people. Um, but every apprentice journey is very different. And I feel like I'm really proud that at least at Origin, we've been able to to open some doors in that way and to have to give her some people that she could really, really benefit from because that wasn't the journey I was on. My apprenticeship was very different. Like the owner of the shop I was in, it's called West London Inc. Um, he's the most lovely guy. I'm still friends with him today, but he he's not a tattoo artist. He's an amazing businessman and an amazing family man. However, the, the, the guy that was running the shop as a tattooer was more so just making money um and you know he he was only interested in me getting his stencil done for him so he didn't have to draw anything himself so he could just come in and make money mm. so you know when that's how you're introduced to something and also it's kind of like just look at what i do and then do it yourself there's no explanation of anything or, or whatever so you call it an apprenticeship but deep down you're just in a shop to make his life easier to clean to do these things and then you just you know buy a machine and start yourself you don't really learn much and that was the journey I was on so it was only it's my journey has taken me a lot of years of just you know getting to a lo level where I was good enough so I could progress out of the apprenticeship that I found myself in do you think you'll have another apprentice now that Poppy's like getting to, well, tattooing now? Um, I don't, I think what's important. So we've had Jack who's absolutely smashing it. I'm just like a proud father. I'm not saying <laughs> that I've had the most like impact on him. I think again, which I will say I'm really proud of is the way that everyone at the shop has just wh whoever the apprentice is they all have taken that person under their wing and they've done what they could. So someone like Jack had like Freddie who could teach him all the stuff that Freddie could teach him. Then he had someone like Matt who could teach him, you know, some stuff, Johnny, you know, being all of these guys that do different stuff, but really are very, very good at what they're doing. And I think he's been able to take a little bit from, from each point and then just like, excel and become a very good tattooer very fast um but we also had this space that when he reached a certain level that we within origin could offer him you know a full-time job and say this is you've been here you've worked hard to get here and now we want to offer you a space in our shop um and for the time being we if we took on an apprentice, I don't think it would be fair because for the time being, we don't have the space to actually offer them a stepping stone into our industry once they become good enough without having to get rid of someone else or whatever. Obviously, someone might up and leave and do their own thing and, and that would give space. But I think you need to consider what you can do for that person long term, not just take them on because it's a bit of free um, cleaning for you. That's not, yeah. I think, very nice yeah. to, to do. I think you need to be able to actually give them a career within your business after they work hard for you for a couple of years, you know? 
Um, we've we've spoken loads about actual tattooing, and I've got more actual tattoo questions. I I just don't understand how your tattoos are so good. Like <laughs> they're just I look at them and my mind is blown every time I see something that you've done. Just on a what? sidebar, just when you're talking about that, from a completely novice point of view, they're not even novice. What am I fucking talking about? Never even done it. <laughs> when you when I'm when I'm having a shit and I'm wanging through Instagram and just <laughs> I see your tattoos and there's about probably half a dozen people on Instagram and I go I know exactly who that is without looking at the name and you're one of them because <laughs> I, I don't see anyone else or that could be me not following them I don't know I'm sure they do exist but I don't I, I look at and I know exactly that it's you and I've done that from the second I sat next to you when Matt was tattooing me <laughs> I was watching you do it and that's cool it is true. I could, yeah, I could like pick yours out without seeing it was you and it, they're just so smooth. What needles would be your, like, sorry for everyone that finds this boring, but I want to know, what would be your like ideal setup for your normal day sitting? I actually use quite large needle groupings, even for, for smaller stuff. So I think I use for, for like, normal small tattoos i'd use maybe 15 as kind of the smallest for like other tiny details i might go down to a 13 um but that's kind of how small i go i suppose so so that's what i use for like my soft shadings I, i use these soft edge magnums obviously um and then it depends on kind of what result I want to achieve whether I have a long tape or a short tape or textured one or not textured but it pretty much my range is the same it's on I like to work the edges and the sides and stuff for my hair I always use like a 15 mag or 17 mag sideways and that by doing that I can feel like you know you obviously need to do it the right way but you can get a very thin thin you know just kind of hairline fine hair strain I suppose but I do like putting a lot of detail into my work and a lot of small little stuff and I like to try and get my shading as smooth as possible it is so smooth and I see in those little hairline marks you make using the side of the mag uh, that's why I thought you were using small needle groupings because I don't, I never use mags. It's so rare to use a mag these days that I guess I've sort of forgotten them. <laughs> and I, yeah, I wouldn't have thought. But then I remember seeing somebody, I can't think who it was. It's just a really big, like well known international black and gray artist. And he uses these fucking huge shovels to do the tiniest little detail. I remember watching a video and he was using it was like a 50 mag or something to shade like the part of the eye. And I was just mm. like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's yeah, just I I always find like a lot of people I think use like nines for a lot of stuff when you kind of go into the eyes or like eyebrows and stuff. But I've I don't know. I've just kind of the way my hand kind of works. I quite like the larger needle groupings, and then when you have a curved mag as well, like a mag as well, you can kind of, you know, if you only use the tip of it, you it works more like a nine, doesn't it? Because like the outer needles, you don't really get in in use, I suppose. Yeah. So you can kind of twist and angle it to 
to get like different needle sizings out of the same kind of width of needles so whether it's a 15 or 17 or 13 um but yeah i, I kind of have my little comfort zone to stay within so when it's larger work or very small work i will obviously change that up but i yeah. normally have a setup of a tight three um liner maybe a round shader um, because it causes a little bit less trauma to the skin but then i would also have a 13 15 17 some cases like 23 or 27 if i have bigger background stuff to kind of do but that's my usual go-to setup what um what machines do you use i have different ones i've used Cheyenne machines for many years i have um the sun skin machines um mostly pen pen style rotaries for now <laughs> but yeah. i did i do actually own a few old coil machines that i started out with do you yeah i many. bet you find them well heavy now if you use them yeah i think like it's just one of them like when my tattoo career kind of started that was when the rotary stuff started coming out so the first ever Cheyenne I think came out around then I think it was the Hawk it was just called yeah. um and I my grandma lent me money to buy that machine for oh. and I bought it and I really liked it so since then I've kind of stayed within the realms of that I suppose yeah. That is, um, I don't know what I was just going to say there. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fucked with this conversation, so you better put something. <laughs> do you want to be mean? Do you want to be mean to him for a bit? Um, <laughs> elf cunt. Um, <laughs> generally, Nick, we don't really talk about tattoos at all, but this has been a full tattoo journey. Absolutely. And it's I've enjoyed it. it. I was thinking about it on the train back. I was like, actually, I don't really know much about you. Like, <laughs> I know you love ABBA. I know you love football. I know you're at below average height, um, light as a feather. And <laughs> you know my, my wife always says, my, my body's normal. It's my legs that let me down. <laughs> <laughs> They're only short and little ones. <laughs> Lovely full head of hair as well. Mm. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah, good, good Scandinavian head of hair there. <laughs> starting to go a bit high. Oh, hardly. You um, do work next to Matt Stops every day, though, so it's yeah. understandable. Hard work. Grey eyebrows. It's all starting to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next for Origin? What are your plans for the future? Oh, it's hard to say. I think with the time for the time being, we're we're just kind of enjoying the way it's going. I suppose there's always way you can better it. I think we've been around now for three years. I think we need to just invest in the shop a little bit. You know, things do need a little bit of a facelift sometimes. I think that's the next project, and I think we need to just see how everything pans out over the next few months but um with financial situations around the world you know it's a just a lot happening around the world price a lot of risk isn't it for everything there is but i think like 
I can speak for both Matt and myself. We don't really have the biggest risk assessment teams that here working out what's, mm. you know, if we get an idea, we're going to go for it. Or if the right opportunity, you know, comes, we would go for it. But I think now we've been going for a while. It's been a learning curve um, to run a business and try and do it in the right way and, you know, have everyone's best interest at heart. And, you know, you learn a few different things along the way. And I think we're in a place now where we have created something I think we can be really proud of and we have a really good team here. And I think a shop holiday would probably be a nice next step. But um, yes, it yeah, would. I continue to have fun, ride out this like little turbulent time and then, you know, see what kind of opportunities arise for the future. You never know. Might um you might sack Matt and um and take it on or kill him and <laughs> and uh, go go. Sorry. I I'm I'm really or tired might, today. It was not going well. I want to go scuba diving and I'm a bit worried about what he intends with that. But um. what Matt said he wants to go scuba diving. Yeah, he heard some he told he told me a story about some um husband who tried to kill his wife scuba <laughs> diving. And then he said, Do you like scuba diving? <laughs> great idea. But, yeah, oh, might be a scuba diving trip or something we'll is see. that like okay. when we were talking about the nepal earthquake and then said do you know the nepal convention would be a really great one to do <laughs> let's do that <laughs> yeah. maybe that should be our holiday we'll go that's why you said that i never clocked that at the time but yeah no we were, we were talking about that aftershock and then yeah yeah we go to the Kathmandu convention i was like yeah, that sounds great <laughs> I'm so yeah. sometimes. <laughs> I wasn't really trying to kill you off. I do oh, like working at Origin. Um but <laughs> You were just you were just trying to call back to some uh some discos in uh, the early aughts aftershock yeah. vibes, weren't you? That was it. Aftershock. Have you ever had an aftershock shot, Nick? No. Oh, uh, it was a drink that awful. was very famous, late nineties, early early aughts, and it was uh cinnamon flavour, yeah, I think. But there it were was two. There was, there, there, there I was think like there a... was. I think there was more. I think there was loads. I like cinnamon. I like anything to do with Christmas. Did you like fire whiskey? Favorite time of, work, uh, of year. Was, was it fireball? Fireball. Yeah. Oh God, what's oh. that? It's like it's a cinnamon like, whiskey. Yeah. I think oh. cinnamon shot. But this this aftershock stuff was violent, and it was the stickiest substance known to man. Like if yeah. you you get a little bit of on your hand, and then that. You'd smoke one cigarette and your whole hand was black. Oh God! Because yeah. dirt, it was ap- and it would get everywhere. You'd like you'd hold the glass, there'd be nothing on it. You'd you'd do the shot, and then suddenly you were like covered in feathers. I'm like what the fuck yeah. happened here? <laughs> there was like a hot Whatever one and a cold it. one. Yeah. You're right. The, yeah, there was. There was a cold one, which was like a menthol one that took yeah, your breath there, away. Yeah, it was blue. Yeah, wasn't it? And there was the red one, which was Tell cinnamon. You what? Was yeah, very... it was. Well, there was an aniseed one. Yeah, was that the cold one? I don't know. I don't know. I they were tall. Oh, they were brutal. Yeah. They were awful. Periods. Who bottled that up? Mm. Oh, up some psychopaths. Back exactly. to the Tila tasting crew, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some absolute oh. psychopath. Like, oh, the same person that made Uzo. And coriander. And coriander. Who grew the first coriander plant? <laughs> and then that thought, is oh, the question. 
I'll put that on my tea. <laughs> yeah. Sheila Simmons, our favourite drag queen. Sheila, Sheila, she's my favourite. Sorry. I love Sheila. I I got a autographed calendar in the shop. I asked her, can you sign this to Origin? And it's now hang, hanging in our kitchen. Oh, that was yeah. great. We all did drag bingo last week and it was it was excellent. Matt was a yeah. bit hesitant. He didn't know how to play bingo, but the, by the end of it, because he won as well, he was like, this is the best night of my life. <laughs> it was great. Drag yeah, bingo, Matt was a bit hesitant, but by the end of it, he went, I'm going to open one of these in Weybridge. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fun. I wonder if we could get Sheila Simmons to come and do drag or origin. That would be so good. Wouldn't that be amazing? We should have an origin party. Yes. More parties. We do need more parties, actually. We definitely need more parties. Do you know what we need? A fancy dress party. There aren't enough fancy dress parties around. We always have fancy dress parties. We were at um, the Crazy Bear last year and we were all... No, was it this year? That was for Bint Stag. That was in... When was that? June? Was it June? Yeah, and we were all like uh, animal head, but suited and booted. I wasn't invited. Is that like the... (laughs) What was that program, the the Korean one? What's it called? And stuff like that. What was it called, that game were, show? Yeah. Was that what you're thinking about? Yeah. Quit, squid Game. Squid yeah, Game. Yeah, it wasn't like that. Like, okay, good. I was like <laughs> a proper fluffy poodle with a tuxedo. I a saw pictures now. that awesome. <laughs> I fucking love Crazy Bear. That is the most fun place. That giant giraffe. The big giraffe ass that's coming out of the wall is the best. There's also a unicorn. Have you seen that? Oh, I don't remember seeing the unicorn. They're very rare. Yeah, How did they get one? Yeah, I don't know. It does. It, it is really rare, that one. Did you know that the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland? No, it isn't. That is. No, it's true. It really no, is. Not true. Lucy, Google don't it. make up. No, I know you fib all the time, but no, this is true. Google it. Oh, it was Loch Ness. That's a place. Uh, correct. Uh, you probably wouldn't think a magical horned creature typically seen on lunch boxes, but it's true. The unicorn is the official national animal of Scotland. Ha! Huh. There you go. Really? Yeah. What? That can- what a, what a fucking sh- shit country if it hasn't even got an animal. Fuck you. Fuck you both. Um, what's your favourite um fact, Nick? I lo- <laughs> I know that you love your facts. What's your favourite fact? I don't know any facts. I always... Oh, I can tell you a fact. So, did you know the Bluetooth icon on your phone is the rune from a Danish Viking king called Harold Bluetooth? And he had a blue front tooth. That's That's good, that. There you go. That is interesting. But I was expecting you to make up one of your false facts. Bluetooth in Denmark since the Vikings. We used to just <laughs> send shit to each other all the time. It was so good. Didn't, there it d- is. didn't let anyone else have it until, <laughs> until 1999 or whenever it was. So much success around the world. <laughs> um, Nick, thank you so much. For I've got one more late. question. Okay. Go it's on. about your tattoo collection because I think that will interest Oh me. my God. Yeah. This is, yeah. What was your first tattoo, Nick? 
My first tattoo was a little bit of black and gray shading I did on my own leg that healed up pretty much as nothing. <laughs> and my second tattoo was a pencil behind my ear. It's on the side of my head. And my third one was my sleeve I've had done. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. <laughs> I think that uh, the reason I think that's interesting is because most people who get into tattooing, they've obviously got an interest in art and they go and get tattooed and then they go, oh, well, I fancy a bit of this, me. I reckon I could do that. You know what I mean? There's this thing. They've got tattoos before they get into it. But you were, you so you were. Done it the other way around. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like I've always kind of been the black sheep wherever I've gone with tattooing. And it's actually played. Um, a big part of my tattooing career, I suppose, when I got a job at the family business, I used to come in like it would be mid-July. I'd come in like a turtle. Um, I used to come into the family business, which obviously family business was a big deal for me. I remember coming to London saying I'm work there one day and that was my goal. So I, I really wanted the job and I came in and I had no tattoos at the time. Um, so I had like a turtleneck on, gloves on, a hat on, massive beard, <laughs> long johns, everything, <laughs> hiding every part of my body. So no one would know no tattoos because, you know, it's a natural kind of reaction that people potentially would say, what is this kid doing here? So I was yeah. aware of that. Um, and I was like sitting there mid-July, mid-August, mid-September. It's like 30 degrees out and I'm in my North Face puffer jacket sitting <laughs> tattooing. And everyone's like, hey, why don't you take your jacket off? And I'm like, I'm, I'm quite a cold person. And they were like, you are a fucking joker. Take your shirt off. And I had to like strip off. And there they were <laughs> all pointing at me, making for me. Oh. But I think... After some time, you know, you you kind of earn your stripes a little bit and it doesn't didn't mm. define me as a person or as an artist or my ability to, you know, draw that's, or that's, tattoo for, exactly, for that matter. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what I, my, where I'm coming from. So I think, does, do, do any customers say anything like, oh, do you like, do you know what you're doing sort of thing? <laughs> I'll always just say I'm like a skinny chef. <laughs> ah, do you know but, what you've yeah. just said? You know what? Is... No. Sorry, I, it came to a point where I went traveling and oh, the owner of the family business gave me a card to say good luck with your travels. And he said, if you don't have any tattoos, you're never going to get your job back. And he put <laughs> little sticker tattoos in with the card. Um, but I did get my job back when I came back from traveling and I still didn't have any tattoos. But yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's always been something that, you know, has been on my mind when being in this industry because I feel like like uh, maybe a tattooed surgeon would get you know a bit of slack for having yeah. tattoos or they would be looked badly upon for being tattooed in a banking environment or in you know whatever other industry apart from ours I suppose you, you can't really rock up with face tattoos and stuff but I feel the roles were a little bit reversed for me. And I, I mm. did feel at times I've had to work a little bit harder to gain my respect with people. Um, yeah. But 
I think, again, with the family business and being there and being around a lot of very, very good artists and very well-respected artists, you know, once they were kind of like, mate, just own it and don't, you know, be listening to, like, other people's judge judging kind of, you know, first impressions, then mm. I kind of just owned it from that point. And it, yeah, it's just, it was just me. And, you know, the people around me, I had great respect for. I, I feel like I earned their respect, respect. And that's what, you know, meant anything to me at that point. What you've said about not having tattoos is exactly what people normally say about having them. Yeah. And it's interesting. But, you know, when exactly. I met you, I didn't even notice that you didn't have tattoos. It was only when somebody told me about your pencil or when you got your sleeve, I was like, oh, yeah, you didn't have any. <laughs> oh, how oh, did yeah. the pencil come about? And then you've had it completely removed. Obviously, it's not there anymore. Yeah, the pencil was... I think because I used, I just always used to draw a lot. And obviously, I, since I was a kid, I would draw like Disney characters. I thought I was going to work for Disney as a kid. I actually oh. still love Disney. Disney's like my favorite movies. I had um, The Little Mermaid playing at my wedding. <laughs> uh, you know, that Under the Sea, they were playing that on Steel Drum. This doesn't I still love me. all of it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wanted to work for Disney. I wanted to draw the characters and all of that. So since I was really young, I used to always have a pencil behind my ear. So I thought that would be great. It's like a carpenter having a ham tattoo on their forearm or something. But um, yeah, I thought it was a good idea. The execution of it was not great. It was just a black blob. Oh. Um, when you only have that one tattoo, it kind of, you know what it's like, it, but the more you get, the less it kind of the shit has become really good, really. <laughs> but at the time, I thought it was a bit crap, so I lifted it off. Oh, would you have it again? But better. Yeah, <laughs> I would probably have it again, but better. <laughs> I get really good, like you, to do it, Lucy. <laughs> would be shit. Um. So how did you find, you had your sleep done really quick, didn't you? Like, what, over two sessions or something? Yeah. How did you find getting it done? I did three days. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think also because I have a little young child, it was like I could just relax and do nothing. (laughs) People say that all the time. no, no, No nappies. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was just really nice and to be fair like the guy I got tattooed from he's just a lovely guy he made it really easy for me so yeah I just um I really enjoyed it and like it's not like I've not wanted tattoos and I haven't like it's not that I was like oh, I don't want tattoos it's not for me I just I knew that I wanted a sleeve from this guy and I just couldn't afford it like, there was just always, I suppose, like, I, my wife and I have been trying to, like, set up ourselves for having a kid. And, like, there's always something I feel like there was more in the foreground that needed financial attention. Maybe me having a tattoo. And the older you get as well, like, it's not, I was in the industry, I was working, you know, I was, I was just 
getting by, saving up to start my own business, to buy a flat, to buy a house. Like, and it's a it's a long journey. I was on pound an hour at River Island when I got here, and you know, ten years after, I've worked hard enough to, you know, get a wife. Most importantly, but also, <laughs> you know, just like set up a business and you know set up something that I can be proud of and make my my son you know benefit from at some point so I think financially I was just not in a position to maybe get it from him um yeah and then I just that makes waited I suppose I think however like my view on tattoo my view of tattoos are very different now than it was eight years ago or seven years ago. Like, I am a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to my own work. And I think I speak for most of us out there. In, you will always find faults in, in your own work. And if you don't, I think you're reaching a... You, you're never going to progress from that point. So I'm... I'm a perfectionist when it comes to my own stuff. And I used to be that in many other ways in life, I suppose. And I think tattooing has actually taught me that it doesn't have to be a beautiful tattoos with no tattoo with no faults in it. Like if you have something done from a person that you appreciate as an as a tattooer or as a friend or whatever, you know, I was joking about all my ex-mates getting tattooed on that table in my old flat. But, you know, it was a real privilege for me that they gave me that trust. But I think for them as well, like because we have a bond and a connection and a respect on different levels, like how shit the tattoo might be or whether it's one style or another style, it doesn't really rep the, the not the look of it. It's more what it means and what it represents to you. And that could be a a colleague that you loved working with and you'd be proud to carry that work around you know and that's where I'm at at the moment I think I just um, I regret not having more tattoos more than I would ever regret having a tattoo I think oh well now's the chance get poppy tattoo in your leg that is it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a wonderful um, way to finish yeah it, oh it's been so nice yeah. it's it's been lush it to have been. a genuine conversation with you without any ABBA being involved and um and actually yeah. also being at the same face level rather than me having to look down so that's been really pleasant as well um yeah no, sorry you have you to are... go through that all the time <laughs> You know what? I actually get quite a lot of neck pain from looking up all the time. You know that. I bet I can imagine you do. I thought I did think that today that you were significantly lower down because I was wearing my big chunky DMs and I thought, I swear we don't normally have to look as far down as this to see you, but um, genuinely, huh? I didn't wear my buffaloes today. Oh, that's it. That's it. You need a little platform. Um. You are one of my favourite people in the world. And thank you so much for coming on. And Finally, yes. after standing Thanks us up 10 times. But... Having me. <laughs> Listen, it's... you stood me up the first time. You don't remember it. And second time I was sick. I was honestly sick. And my child was sick. Yeah. I can't. Did we stand you up the first I time? Think that, I think that was me. That yeah. was mix. It wasn't even me. I've always yeah. been here. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Oh, <laughs> now it all comes now. <laughs> 
We've done it. Anyway, We've made it doesn't it. matter. It happened. And I really appreciate you having me on here. It's been an honour. Oh, You're thanks, welcome, mate. Nick. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, we we'll look forward so to our, our Nepalese earthquake experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might call in sick for that one. <laughs> You'll go scuba diving instead. <laughs> yeah. Some shaky tattoos that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, yeah. Nick. See you next Tuesday. Bad nice one. one. All right. Bye. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye.